You have just entered The Royal Access, the show for growth-minded game changers seeking God's direction in their relationships and careers. I'm your host, Coral Pinder, and I'm super excited about growing along with you. Now let's dive in to this episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of The Royal Access. I am so excited because today we are ending our series Gold, where we our goal is to be purified like gold, which is G-O-L-D. And we're ending this series with a special guest that I'm excited to bring to you guys. It's it's so amazing. So I the last guest we had, I connected with her on Facebook and I did not know her before we did our interview. So I guess I like to meet people through my podcast because now I have another guest that I connected with on Instagram (laughs) that I did not know (laughs) before we started to communicate about, you know, doing podcasts and being authors. And after hearing his story, I was like, oh, I have to have you on the show. And I felt it was so fitting for the series that we're in now which is gold. I thought it was so amazing to have him on because you'll hear his story and just everything that he he went through and how he just trusted God through the entire process. And as we know in the series Gold, we're focusing on or we're allowing ourselves to remember the fact that we're being purified so that we can be more like Christ. So when we're we're never going to be perfect, but we can look more and our reflections could be more like Christ when we go through certain situations that may be difficult, but knowing that God is taking us through the situation for a reason. There's a purpose behind it. Our purpose is still something that's going to come out through this experience, even though it's hard. You know, we know that we live in a fallen world and that life is not going to be, you know, a bed of roses every single day. It's not. Um, And so the guest that we have today, he has definitely, definitely experienced that. He knows that life is not a bed of roses every day. (laughs) And so I can't wait to talk to him about this. And so his name is Cody Burns. So welcome, Cody. Oh, glad to be here. Awesome, awesome. I'm excited. So, Cody, tell us a little bit about the events that happened on May 31st, 2013, that changed your life as you know it. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, to kind of give the background before that time, is it okay? Before yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So, kind of let everybody know. So, I grew up in the church in southern Indiana and here in the U.S. and small town country boy. I gave my life to Christ at a very young age, and I felt called to ministry whenever I was probably 11. I went to a kid's camp, and I'd seen a, a speaker that the speaker also had a special talent that I fell in love with at the same time, and that was juggling. And I seen where he was doing these juggling skills, and so immediately it grabbed my attention. I wanted to learn how to juggle, but I also seen that he was doing a message along with it. He wasn't up there just to entertain. It was mm-hmm. something greater than just himself. And of course, that was preaching the gospel. And so it was one of the altar calls. I I knew it was like God saying, someday you'll be doing this. So all through my young years, I pursued my skills and talents. And after high school, I got my, I went to a ministry school in Rockford, Illinois. Then I went to uh, another school in Indianapolis, Indiana, got my pastoral credentials and became a children's pastor. And along with being a children's pastor, I traveled the country and even other parts of the world. And I was uh, speaking to hundreds, thousands of kids, doing conferences, kids camps, just like the one I had got called into ministry at whenever I was really young. 
So kind of just bringing it all full circle, the background. So I always had a vision to give hope to people. I knew that eventually my ministry was going to become more worldwide. Um, it was starting to get to that point. But then May 31st, 2013, there was a, a sudden shift in my life. And I was driving on the highway, and I was stopped at a red light on the highway. Um, and I was rear-ended by a refrigerator box truck that failed to stop. Now, I don't remember all of this. What I tell people is strictly from police, police reports, first responders. The last thing I remember was driving, and then everything goes black. And what I'm told is at that red light when the truck, there was a refrigerator box truck, it hit me full highway speed, 60, 65 miles per hour. On impact of the truck hitting my Dodge Durango, it exploded. And so it pushed my, me and my Dodge to, into an embankment. And when the first responders came on the scene, they said it was a fatality. There's no way anybody could survive this. The sheriff's department took hundreds of photos. Uh, the driver of the truck, he was fine. I, on the other hand, was left for dead. And I always say that this is truly by the grace of Almighty God. The firefighters, they saw my hand move. And just a little bit of movement, it changed their entire plans. And I think about how in life, sometimes it just takes a little bit of movement, that little bit of a shift, and God intervened in that moment in my time of need. And so they got me out, but it took them a good hour to get me out of that thing. And then they life flighted me to a hospital in Evansville, Indiana, which is the southern part of the state. Then they redirected me to Indianapolis, Indiana, because I had severe burn injuries. I needed to go to a burn unit. So they took me up there, they put me into a coma on full life support, and I was in that uh, for three weeks. So as I mentioned, I had severe burn injuries. I also had broken vertebrae, torn ligaments. I had a lot of things, pneumonia. I encountered a blood infection. A lot of hurdles happened uh, during that time, lung damage. But the most severe was the burn injuries. So my face had second degree burns. Second degree burns don't scar. Uh, but then I had third and fourth degree burns. I never knew there was such a thing as fourth degree burns. And so what that is, it burns through all your fat cells down to bone and muscle. And in some cases it requires amputation. And they actually wanted to amputate three of my fingers, but my family stepped in and tried to prevent them in doing so. Uh, but it was, a, it was a long haul, a long journey. 40% of my body was burned. And so coming to out of life support out of the coma, I uh, was told by my family being there that all this had happened and it's slowly dawning on me. So I will give a pause break and let you step in if you want to say anything. Wow. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I remember the first time I saw the video of it, I was just like, how, how does someone go through this experience and still hold on to their faith the way mm. that you do? And the way that you're continuing to inspire people with your story and being strong enough to go through the fire, to go through the scars, to go through all of the the pain. Um, and you talk about it in your book, the emotional pain, the physical pain, just the, the entire experience and being able to trust God through that experience. And what it makes me think about is that you had, you told us, you know, you had a very strong relationship with God from you were a child. You knew you were called. You knew you were going to speak. You knew you were going to be able to be entertaining with a message even before any of this happened. And one of the things that made me, you were 23 when this happened, right? Yeah. And so one of the things 
usually even people who grew up in the faith, I, I, I told you the story before, my dad's a pastor and I grew up in church. But when I got into 18, 19, 20, it kind of strayed. What do you think, because I feel like this played a critical part in keeping you committed and faithful and loyal to Christ after, because of how strong your faith was before you went through the, the experience. So what do you think played a role in keeping you so faithful during those years when most young adults go astray, that 18 to 21, 22 range where most kind of like, okay, I'm going to do my own thing for a while. You stayed faithful. And that was great because that was the rock for the foundation for you to stand on after coming out of that. Cause if you had, I mean, for people who have straight, I just feel like you would have gone through that and probably really rock your faith. Not that your faith wasn't rocked, but what kept you committed during those years, 18 to 23 to really have a strong faith? Yeah, I think, um, a lot of it just, was my environment, my support system that I had put into place. And so I had mentors, um, the pastors at my church, everyone was always just texting me on top of, you know, how you doing, Cody? But I was always one of those kids that never fit in with um, certain crowds. I was always kind of to my own, and I, I was comfortable with being a loner uh, in you know, some way. So I was... You know, after I, like I mentioned, I went to Rockford, Illinois, and that was what they call Master's Commission. And basically, it was a nine-month discipleship program where we were, you know, all fresh out of high school. We weren't allowed to date during those years. You know, you weren't allowed to, you know, drink or take in X-rated films or anything of that extent. So it was like really a, a time where you was groomed, and we were volunteering at a church. I mean, they worked us hard. <laughs> but you learn a lot through that. And so I had that experience along with, like I mentioned, getting my credentials. And I, I became, I got my credentials uh, officially whenever I was 21. And so, and then all along with doing that, I mean, I'm in the church, I'm actively doing ministry. So it, it just, when you're in that environment, it leaves you less chance to stray away. Yes. And I think that would have been a great foundation. You talked about discipleship. And I think a lot of us who grow up in the church, do you really get discipleship? Because it's one thing to go to church every Sunday and be involved in youth ministry and go to Sunday school. But when someone goes through the process of discipleship of we're going to remove those distractions from you. And we talked about that in the series gold about how sometimes distractions get us off of the course that of being purified of how God wants us to be. But going through nine months of going through, you know, we're going to remove distractions. We're going to make sure you guys know sound doctrine, learn the word of God, be in community with others who are, you know, really pressing into what God is trying to say, then I, I could understand why that foundation was so strong. And like you said, after that, going to, you know, get your credentials to become a pastor, all of that would provide that kind of foundation. And I think that's why it's so important that if we want to be more like Christ, we have to put ourselves in the situations that are going to foster that growth, else it won't happen. So in the yeah. book, you talk about scar release. The book is called Scar Release. Um, but I wanted you to explain to us, how does God release you physically and emotionally? Like what is, what is scar release and how does God, you talk a lot about in the book that you didn't only have to heal physically, it was also emotional healing. So what is, what is scar release and how did that apply to emotional as well? Yeah. And I'll, I'll kind of start with, um, like, cause I was in the burning for two and a half months. And then I had to go to rehabilitation center. I had to, it was for six weeks, constantly being monitored by nurses and doctors. I had to relearn to walk. I had to relearn to use my hands again. And then along with that, I did an extra, almost two years of nonstop outpatient and physic, uh, physical and occupational therapy. 
is a long journey. And so uh, the term scar release comes from a surgical procedure that they do on burn survivors. And so we have uh, contracture scars. And I always use the illustration of my hand. And so I remember going in and out of therapy and they were working on my hands, trying to get my joints to be mobile and so forth. Um, but I talk about my web spaces in between my fingers. And so it, they had contracted to the point where I couldn't even hold onto a bottle of water. And uh, during that time, the therapist, she said, you're gonna have to go in and have surgery. So I go in, the surgeons assess me and they said, you're gonna need a surgical contracture release and scar release. And what that is, is they go in, they cut the scar at its root and it allows you to be mobile again. Uh, but a scar release does not remove the appearance of a scar. It allows the mobility to move with the scar. And so I take that and I combine it how in life because we do have the physical scars, but most of humanity encounters, they all encounter emotional scars. And those scars can often appear over certain joints, certain areas of our life. Maybe it was back in childhood, maybe it was um, you know, a bad breakup in high school or some incident that happened or, uh, you know, your marriage failed, loss of a business. There could be multiple different reasons. And if we're not careful, those scarring moments can limit us in our everyday life. And so the book is me sharing my story, but at the same time relating it to all of humanity. And yeah, there's scars and we cannot remove scars. They're there, but it's allowing those scars not to keep us limited for the rest of our life. Mm -hmm. And so truly breaking free of yesterday's troubles so that we can be all that God is calling us to be. Right. So the, you know, the, we know it's, it happened. It's still there. You know, we still went through that experience, but it shouldn't limit us in moving into the calling of what God is calling us to do. And that's what he did. So now you can move your fingers, you can move your hands and, and emotionally. Uh-huh. emotionally and so you talked about a lot in the book that you had to heal physically and emotionally and spiritually so what what do you think when you reflect on the journey was there anything about your character do you think god purified through this experience and when i say that is sometimes i was listening to this lady the other day and she was saying how she went through this experience um in her marriage how she you know she did all of the right things she was a virgin when she got married she did things god's way they prayed they felt like this was really god calling them in their counseling before they got married the the pastor said god is going to use your marriage in a major way and so she was like oh yes we are going to be an example our marriage is going to be amazing and an example to others we're going to lead others to christ and show them how to have a christian marriage and our husband cheated on her in the first year and when that happened, it was like, what, how is Jesus using this? I, I felt like, you know, I did everything right. I felt like this is where God sent me. And she's saying five years later, she's realizing her and her husband reconciled. They stayed together. Um, and they're continuing to grow in their relationship with God, grow in their relationship. And she was just saying how that loss of trust, that loss of her, a period of her marriage, they were separated, just trying to deal with it. Is this actually what God wants me to go through? Because she was able to stay with him and they were able to grow through that and realize God's hand in their life and what God wanted to do and God teaching her forgiveness and God teaching her grace and God teaching her humility on a new level. Not that she didn't have a relationship with God before. It's just she gets things on a new level now, now that she's gone through a very hard experience. And it was almost, she said, one of the things she had to almost think was she used to think before that happened, you know, my life is good because I'm a Christian. 
Um, whereas that she had to realize that's, that's not true. And not that it wasn't our fault that he cheated, but that's life. We live in a fallen world and we deal with what the consequences of what goes on around us. But how do I respond to that? And she realized that her response to that drew her closer in a relationship to God than she would have had before because she just, she wasn't tried by fire. Like this episode is about being tried by fire. She wasn't tried. She didn't have to go. It was like, I'm doing what I got to do, but life is, life is good. I'm, there's nothing that's really sh- coming to shake my faith. So what I'm wondering was, is there a part of your character that you felt like it got rooted even deeper after going through this experience? Yeah. Oh, and I, I grew in so many ways, and it's hard just to pinpoint one in particular. But, I mean, the, the maturity level that you go through after enduring such things. I mean, I was 23. I'm now 30. And, you know, seven years um, after the fact, I see all that God has done since this time. But it really, it's a wake-up call, you know. And, and growing up in the ministry, doing things, you know, we, we know that things can happen in this world. We know that they're suffering. Um, people are, even before all this, you know, there was uh, individuals that I knew personally that were diagnosed with cancer that, have, you know, we prayed hard for those individuals and sadly they didn't make it. And so, you know, these things happen. Um, and, and this sounds weird in a way, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but as you're doing things and you're just thinking, well, we, we, we know the things could happen, but we drown it out to the point that we think, well, that'll never happen to me. And, you know, don't get so beside yourself because, um, interesting enough, life hits all of us at one level or another. And, you know, it hit me at a time where I'm focused, I'm pursuing my vision, I'm doing all of these things. I think I'm on the right path and I'm not perfect by any means. However, you know, you're, you're trying, trying to do right. I'm, I'm pursuing that vision, ministering to thousands of kids up to this point, uh, serving, and then bam, this happens. And it just, it reminds you of how fragile life is, the importance of community and prayer, and just reminding me and humbling me in ways too. And, and I think it's a constant, every time I look in the mirror, I'm just like, I see my scars and it just reminds me that, uh, you know, I'm not here because of my own doing. The only reason I have a heartbeat and I stand at this moment is because of the grace of Almighty God. And my scars are a constant reminder of what God brought me through. And so I think it just, it, it was a wake-up call. It allowed me to mature, recognize what's truly most important. Even though I still go through frustrations, I still have my days where I'm down, I'm discouraged. But... It's just that reminder that, okay, you know, it, I'm, I feel that it's a responsibility. This message, these scars, one of my mentors, he, his name is Dave Reaver. He has this powerful quote, and he said that, you know, he told me, I, we talked over the phone after all this, met a few different times, and he said, you know, Cody, God did not do this to you, but he allowed it to happen because he could trust you with his scars. Mm-hmm. And I think in Absolutely. my story, I've been trusted and I am more purpose-driven now than what I have ever been. Mm. And I hope what, that answers your question. Yeah. About yeah, no, no. Areas as far as character and, but just the overall. Yeah, and I think, I think you lend to the fact of the humility too. Because like you yes. said, you know, when you look at your scars, not saying that you weren't humble before, but there's a deeper level of humility of knowing 
that I'm only here because of God's grace. I only have breath. I'm only walking because of God's grace. And even though you know it before, you kind of take it for granted on a certain level until you've been tried, until you've been purified. You don't really get it on that level of, no, listen to me. Uh, I'm here because of God's grace. I was telling my parents that when we were younger, my brother's godmother used to stay with us and she would drop us to school and she'd say pick you up after at the end of the day god's willing i'm going to the grocery store god's willing and i said like, why does she always say that just say you're going to the grocery store stop it <laughs> and then as i got older i realized that she was trying to say i'm not taking for granted that i am not the one driving throughout the day if i make it back to pick you up at the end of the day it's because it was god's will And so that was a new level of coming to that realization because as a young child, I was just like, yeah, you're coming back. Like, why wouldn't you? And then it's like, because you may not. (laughs) Because our life is not, my life is not my own. It's in God's hands. And, you know, so I I do feel like you answered it. Like it's humility on a deeper level. It's an understanding of God's grace on a deeper level um, so that you're really coming face to face with that. Um, in this series, we talked about the different things that help to purify you, whether that's a stronger community, whether that's getting rid of distractions, whether that's prayer, whether that's scripture. And in the book, you talked about how people would say cliche scriptures to you and saying, you know, you know, God knows the plans he has for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, boo. And then you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, whatever. Like, thank you for that. Um, but I loved what you said about people taking scriptures out of context and the importance of when you're on a walk with God, because we talked about, you know, knowing scripture and that's going to purify you, but not just knowing scripture knowing what it really means um, when you read that. So I wanted you to tell us a little bit about, you know, knowing scripture and how that helped you to get through this journey and knowing what it really meant versus taking it out of context to appease what I'm going through right now. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, and this is something too, you know, I have, I, up to this point, you know, I had gained my credentials and there's certain levels I could go higher in my education in that realm. I don't have all the answers by any means, Mm -hmm. but you know, I, I knew enough of God's word, but there was still things where sadly um, I had been told stuff, but not really dug deeper into knowing what that meant uh, until after all this happened to me, because it really causes you to think, well, hold up here. Am, are we, am I really understanding this verse correctly? Because you know, we, we do in the church. It's very common. We're quoting all these scriptures. We're you know, encouraging, motivating each other. You hear a lot of motivational speakers. They'll take a Bible verse and they will use it to their advantage. Well, hold up here. Let's. What is happening in context of the scripture? What's what's the story about? You know, why is God saying this? Why was this said? And does this apply to us? I. There are certain parts where they may not, but a lot of it, yes, it does. It just depends on what parts we're reading and how we're interpreting it. And I think it's extremely important because if people are misunderstanding God's word or if they're told things out of context, it, when tragedy strikes. It can cause further further confusion, and it can cause people to pull away from God versus come to God and truly understand why trauma, why evil is in the world and some of these things. And so it really caused me to dive deep um, into apologetics. And, you know, in the Christian world, we, we have that term. And so I strongly uh, recommend anybody that's, you know, know, it's basically in short knowing how to defend your faith and mm-hmm. why you believe the way you believe. And there's some very, you know, there's a lot of hard questions out there. And there's still questions that on this side of heaven, we will never know. 
but there is a lot that if we just break it down, listen, this is why these things happen. And it's, it's very um, insightful. It's, it's free to understand these things. And, you know, in that case, knowledge, it, it can be uh, quite powerful because it can really bring clarity to some people that need to know the truth. And, and so, uh, you know, if you go to church or if you hear a pastor on television, you know, just because um, they're on the pulpit or they have a big TV show doesn't mean that they're always preaching truth. And so um, go to the Word of God for yourself. Know scriptures for yourself. Dive deep. Go to the historical context. What is this saying in Hebrew and Greek? And, and really uh, make sure that you're gaining the right clarity over scriptures because it will make such a powerful difference in your everyday life. And you gave the definition of in the in the book, Jeremiah 29 and 11, of what God really was trying to say in terms of he was talking to the Israelites and, you know, he'd send them, you know, they were about to go into captivity for 70 years. So to, to, no hooray, you know, the plans, everything's about to be amazing. So yeah. what, what, what about that scripture? Did you want to make sure people understood? Because sometimes people may just read it and think this means that God's about to just give me the world. Yeah. Well, I think in that particular, you know, for, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. He was talking specifically to the Israelites, and, you know, they, they didn't want to go into captivity, but um, they did. They had to go there for another 70 years. And, you know, the plan didn't look as though they thought, but God was reminding them that, you know what, in the long run of things, this is what I have in store, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. It does not mean that um, you're not going to encounter hardship and troubles and tribulations in this journey. And, you know, also understand that your plans, uh, if, if, you know, our plans don't mean anything, if it's not in God's will and what he's calling us to do. So we cannot preach. Uh, <laughs> it's a real, we cannot change God's mind. Um, you know, we, we adjust our plans according to his plans. He's the man upstairs. He's God. We're not, we submit to his will. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, for real. No, for real. Because, and I remember I used to quote that all the time and saying it in a selfish way of, you know, because God's going, God's going to do what I need him to do. He's going to bring this man. He's going he gonna to do what I, I'm waiting on. He's going to do it. Um, he know the plans he has for me. And I was listening to this sermon and I heard the pastor say, you know, when the sermon says he knows that, and that was the first time I heard someone explain what you were saying about, he was about to send him into captivity. This was about to be years from now where these plans are going to be great. And he said, the reason why, and I've quoted this several times because it was so profound the first time I heard it. He said, the reason why he said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Because sometimes when God is prospering you, it can feel and look like he's harming you. Sometimes when God is prospering you, it can look and feel like he's harming you. And so again, with this series, you know, he's trying to purify you like gold. People want to be like gold. They want to have that reflection, but the fire is going to be hard. It's going to burn and it's going to be, it's going to be intense. The, the, the seasons that I've gone through that felt like, oh my gosh, why is God not answering my prayers? Why have I been here for seven years going through this journey? But when you look back, you're like, oh, thank God God didn't let me end up with that person. Or thank God God didn't, you know, answer that particular thing that I wanted. Or let me go into that opportunity I wanted. Because now I see how much I've grown. Now I've seen how the opportunities that have opened have been great. Now I see how I'm aligned with people that are more aligned with my purpose. Yeah. But 
it didn't happen when I wanted to. It wasn't my timeline. My timeline when I hear, for I know the plans I have for you, is that everything's going to be great tomorrow and life is going to be good. But it may be years from now, maybe 10 years from now, 20 years from now. It may be some time, but God is saying in the long run, and even not in, just in the long run in, in on this side of heaven, like you said, or on the earth, our eternity is with Christ. So I'm saving you even more so because you get to be with me in heaven. And because, you know, you're going to live a glorious life in heaven. So that's the long term. So when I hear that verse, I rem- I'm reminded of that. So when I read in your book, I was like, yes, I told you when I was reading your book, I was like, yes, so many times. I was like, yes, I believe this is true. This is true. This is true. So one of the things that you talked about in the book too, and I love how you're very open. And so for those who, his book is Scar Release. It's on Amazon. You can check it out. We were probably going to do this at the end, but I keep referring to it because it's really good. I really, I really enjoy it because he's very, he's very open. For those who follow the Royal Access and my podcast, you know that I am very transparent. I'm very open. And if you read Cody's book, you will see he's the same, very open about his story. And I just love how he's just really real about his journey and what he's gone through. And so one of the real things that I felt like, that you said that you do wonder when someone goes to that experience, like, I wonder if they ever thought about this stuff. So one of the things that you said was you got insecure because you were, you were on stages and platforms entertaining up to a thousand children. And this is children. And now I've been burned. And so now you said, you said something that was real. You were like, you know, I went with people, you know, laughing with me or laughing at the jokes I told, but now when they laugh, are they going to be laughing at me? Like that was a real insecurity that you said that you may have. And then you said, you know, will someone love me with my scars? You know, I'm 23. I'm not married. Well, you're 30 now. But at that time, like, will I find someone to love me with the scars? Like that was just some real honest truth that was vulnerable to say that. Like when I have children, will they look at the scars and question the scars or, you know, like how would they feel? So I just felt like that was such a vulnerable place to be. And so one, I wanted to ask, how did you you know, work through those insecurities and emotional things that you were going through. And did your prayer life ever take a hit? Because uh, on one of the episodes, I talked about how um, how I stayed out of my prayer closet for a long time. Not, And I didn't feel consciously mad at God. It was just something subtle of not feeling like just being a little weak in that area. Um, just and not even realizing it. So did it? how did you overcome those insecurities and did it affect your prayer life? Yeah, well, the, the my prayer life. I mean, it, it, I'll I'll say with that. I mean, it was look a little all over the place in the beginning because, you know, you go from one moment you're thankful to be alive, and the next moment you're frustrated. And you're wondering why would God allow this to happen, and so you're back and forth. But through it all, I will say that it enhanced it, and it made that intimacy with Him all the more precious. And so it, it's it's been good. Um, as far as insecurities, that is a you know there's. You know, everybody in this world, and I am, and I, and I'll talk about one of my mentors who passed last year. Actually, oh, um, his big thing was on insecurities, and he was actually a therapist and he, powerful speaker, and I got to talk with him a lot, and we had some deep conversations, and you know, we talk a lot about everyone deep down has insecurities, and it's learning to um, handle and deal with these in life, and so. With, with uh, this, in reference to what you were saying with you know the scars and, and you know getting married and things like that, you know, um, you we we're in such a society where people obviously they look at the physical appearance of things and and granted even whenever I was younger in in school, you know, I struggled with being overweight and I went through a time where I did I, I got really thin. I'm still on a health journey because I after the wreck I had lost a lot of weight, but then I had gained it all back because of depression and then. 
even just that was like the only thing I found enjoyment in eating. So I got really big. So since 2016, I've lost 100 pounds. Yes, but, uh, you I better you better more. do that. Bless you. <laughs> Come on now. But, so I'm on a health journey, I, and obviously I want to be healthy and fit. But uh, you know, the big thing is I want to be able to do the work God's calling me to do. Mm-hmm. Now, out of that, you know, will I be a stud muffin? Sure, but it's not about that. And you think about the scars too, and you know you have to. And, and I, I just make light of it. I, you know, it, it's surprising. It's always interesting in the, you know, the dating game. We've, yes, uh, we interesting world we live in. Some girls they 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 like it. Some girls they like. Okay, I, I'm intimidated by this, by this story. I don't know what to think. Ah. Uh. Uh, but, you know, through it all, you just you got to make light. And the big thing is, is I'm I'm not looking to be some big model i'm not looking to you know to find a big sports illustrated magazine type of girl my big thing is i you know i'm praying for the right woman to team up with me that helpmate that sees the big picture that that loves me beyond my scars and i think everyone whether they be physical or emotional because it's amazing i've, I've dated some girls that you know they have emotional scars mm-hmm. and those you know, the relationships didn't uh, go anywhere because those emotional scars limited them in certain ways. And so, but still, it's loving people beyond their scars. You recognize that there's a lot of just insecurities, whether they're physical or they're emotional. And a lot of people can cover them up very well. Uh, it just depends, because I think at the root, uh, and even pride, you know, you think about pride, mm-hmm. people that are very prideful into themselves. Well, at the root of pride, they're very insecure. Insecurity. Pull back the layers. And so there's that side of things. But then as far as with the humor, you mentioned that as far as will kids go from, you know, laughing with me to to me, you know, and, and I, I think there is a part where you, you, and you talk about, you know, I think about comedians, some comedians are on stage and they, they truly have mastered the skill at making fun of themselves. And there are some of them where they're doing it, but secretly they're in, you know, really hurting. Um, and so I think when writing that, you know, I wasn't fully comprehending it. Now I'm comfortable with cracking jokes about my scars and my situation because it's, it's gaining that level of confidence that I know who I am uh, regardless because people are going to, and that's the thing, people are going to say things, people are going to laugh. You can't people please. People are going to perceive and see you the way, you know, I can't control that. Only way I can, only thing I can control is my response to it. And so uh, I think it just becoming confident. So that really isn't a problem for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And if they laugh, you know, I, I feed off the laughter, but I know through it all not to take stuff too personal, um, really. So, and I love that you, yeah, yeah. I love that you, you said that, you know, you've learned to, to love yourself. I, I, that's what I felt like I was getting from you in terms of when it comes to being on stage and being confident, when it comes to relationships, you know, we all have scars. And so if I can love myself past my scars and know that my scars don't define me and that, you know, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and there's someone that's purpose driven for me, then I don't need to worry about that thing. Um, of blocking because whoever supposed I'm supposed to be with, they will see the purpose and what we're working towards. And the why, why I wanted to ask that question is because there's some people who have different scars, not similar scars to you, but they have scars of their own and they deal with the insecurity of I've had these scars or I've had this past or I've had this experience. And 
as I go through allowing myself to be more purpose driven, I'm still wondering, you know, with this past, will I be able to, you know, connect with someone who, who understands and gets it and doesn't judge me for the past or my scars, whatever my scars look like. And so would you say it was your community that kind of helped you to kind of get to a level of confidence? Cause I was at 23 right when it happened. But now yeah. as a 30 year old, you've grown, you've grown past of, and you've told me a story another time when we were talking about how, you know, the kids are there, they get a kick out of it sometimes. Like, how'd you get the scar? And you're like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you at the end yeah. of the week. I'll tell you. And they're like fascinated by like, it's like, you know, you know, battle wound was like, Oh, you're a hero. Like you got the, so you were saying that. So it, it actually does the opposite. Like sometimes we think like, Oh my gosh. But, um, really those, those are the things that kind of lead the people that we're supposed to touch. And it makes the story more powerful and more impactful that you've gone through it. So one of the things we talked about and not in the last episode, but the episode before that of being purified is having that community. So would you say that you're, journey to confidence, your journey to purpose, your journey to understanding all of the lessons that God was teaching you. Also having that community helped you out. You said it earlier that I found it so funny when I watched your video, when you said your parents was like, you can't amputate his fingers. He juggles. I'm like, so we saving these fingers for juggling. We gonna save these fingers for juggling then. So, so what was that community like to get you to where you are today? Oh, well, I, I come from uh, a small community there in Indiana and very, very blessed. And so everyone came out to support and prayed and encouraged me during those times. Uh, my brother had started the Facebook page and at the time it had grown like 4,000 people. And, you know, that, that was a lot at the time. And, you know, people were watching the news and of course all the little eyes I once had the privilege to teach were now watching me and my response to this tragedy. Uh, but every everyone um, knew that I juggled and I did these things, and so um, I wanted to be able to do it. And they one day amputated a few of my fingers. My fingers don't bend and move like they used to, but surprisingly enough, I can still do quite a bit um, with my injuries, and I make the most of what I can do. And there's a powerful message in that. So. The, but the community all supported and encouraged, and still to this day, there's people that are backing me and encouraging me, and it means the world to know that I have people doing such things, because I really can't do it on my own. I mean, obviously, God is my strength, number one, first and foremost, but those people that are behind the scenes praying for me, interceding, and, um, you know, and, and I have a small group of individuals that are very close, that inner circle, people that you can trust. And, you know, they're going to love you regardless of your shortcomings, of, mm -hmm. of your humanity. And I have those individuals and, you know, I go to them often and I need prayer. I need encouragement. You know, this is what I'm dealing with today. And it just pulls me through. I get back up. I keep pressing in. Community is extremely important. And I know that there's a lot of individuals. I, I've been brought forth with this question before. People are like, well, Cody, I wasn't raised, you know, in a good Christian home. I didn't have my family there to support me or a community. And for that, I mean, it's heartbreaking because you do hear those stories. and Not everybody was raised in such homes. However, when you get to a certain age, you then become responsible of putting these individuals in your life. And you say, well, I don't know where to find these people. Well, now we're blessed with technology and you know, there's people out there where we can Instagram. reach. Instagram. Instagram, <laughs> exactly. We can connect if we just do a little bit of searching. Because, you know, it, 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 it'd be amazing what you can find. 
and there's people that care. And even in the, as a burn survivor, I mean, there's there's support groups and things you can connect with, you know, and, and, it, and there's so many different categories. Maybe you're a cancer survivor. My mother last year, she was diagnosed with cancer. God has brought her through all of that. She's now, you know, restored. Uh, Amen. But, you know, Amen. That, yes. Yeah. And, you know, that was another, another hurdle. I mean, it, it hurts, you know, you see your mom, she's got no hair and you're going through these chemo treatments and things. It was tough, but God's brought her through. He's faithful. Uh, but even then, she had a support group. She was on there reading, you know, comments from other people, recognizing that you're not alone. People that are going to encourage you and lift you up, not pull you down. That's so important. Awesome. Yeah, that that strong community is a is a good place to start. And like you said, you have a, you sound like you're a very close knit family. That your family is very close, and that's you're fortunate to have them there, to have them fighting for you and encouraging you. And like you said, praying people who are praying for you and interceding in that whole community that came together. And like you said, if someone doesn't feel like they have that, you you can find it. There are people out there that you can connect with. So there's a question that you answer in here that I thought was a good question because from I learned about your story that question tends to pop in someone's head. Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, why do, why, why, so why do you think that this happened? Yeah, and, and we can go back, even when we was talking about, you know, in Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, that there's different reasons why things happen. You know, God, God disciplines those that he loves. And so there is the discipline aspect to things. Um, and I believe that's what he was doing was that, you know, children of Israel during that time, it was one of those things, but ultimately he was doing things for their good. But I believe there's also reasons as to where we live in a world where things happen. It's um, a fallen world. Uh, we all are given, and, and there's different, I mean, this can get really deep. I, I don't want to open up a big can of worms here. So I'm going to brief this because okay. there's um, good discussions on both sides. God is sovereign. He is in control. I believe he controls everything. But out of that, you know, he allows humanity um, a certain amount of free will where we can make choices and we can do things in our everyday life. And so I believe the driver of the truck that day, he was operating under his free will. And because of his poor choice, I had to suffer the consequences. And uh, that's where I, I don't believe God did this to me, but I believe he allowed it to happen. Mm -hmm. And through it all because I surrendered to him and I said, God, be my strength, help me through this. He was able to use it for my good. And so he taught me things through this difficult time. And so I, you know, there, and there is still things like, you know, there's, there's sickness, there's, there's disease, there's things that pop up and, you know, definitely we don't understand fully, you know, why these things pop up for different people. We don't, comprehend why some people will will die and some people will live and through it all i'm just reminded of what god says and i believe it's the book of isaiah you know for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are my no ways, ways your ways he knows our beginning and our end he sees things that we do not so we have to trust him and at the root of it all we have to think about eternity someday you know there's this this thing you know life is short death is certain eternity is long mm -hmm. life is temporary everything in this world will someday be gone all the success the fame i know millionaires they die and the next thing you know all of their wealth they can't take it with them and so it's like you know what are you truly living for in these times and so if you are thinking from an eternity mindset 
understand that those individuals, if they served God and they're they're on fire for God, living the life that he's called them to, but then suddenly something happens. If God willing, if he sees that it's fit, they will survive. However, if they pass away, know that they're in heaven. And if we're thinking on the right level, technically, they're in a better place than where we are. And so you just kind of have to look at it in such a way. Yeah, to know that, you know, God is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. And when I read your story, one of the things that came to mind was the story of the blind man when they said, who sinned, this man or his parents, why he's blind? None. This was done so the glory of God could be shown through him. Mm. Yeah. None. And it goes back to that statement that was so powerful that you, you said in the book that came from one of your mentors of God knew he could trust you with your scars. He yeah. knew he could trust you. You know, you were graced for this journey. You were graced to run this journey. He knew that Cody has this faith in me that if I take him through this, this being purified. And like I said, I told you earlier that uh, this series was birthed out of the song Refiner. And the songwriter said, you know, in the description, this is a very scary prayer to pray. Because... If you tell God that I want to be purified, I want you to take me through whatever I need to be taken through to be taken to the level of purpose that you have called me to, then that may handle some hard times, some hard blows. So he said, it's a very scary prayer to say, have your way. I want to be tried, tried by fire, purified, refine me, Lord, have your way. And so again, it's so the glory of God can be shown through my life and I'm graced for this journey. And he put me on this journey and I'm graced for it. And so it, it's not easy, but it's a part of the grace. How do you think that your ministry has changed since this experience? Because you were already doing ministry. You were already on platform speaking. But what do you think is different about your man- message or different about your purpose after going through this experience? Yeah, I think it's it's uh, enhanced it. I, I really believe that. You know, before all this, you know, my primary audience was children. I had spoken to teenagers and adults, um, but most of the time it was with younger age groups. Now it's really opened up the audience um, to where it's, it's now it's more so adults and teenagers. And, you know, I'll still speak for kids when given the opportunity, but because of the extent of the message, sometimes, although you'd be surprised, a couple, I did a couple of kids camps and it, kids are smart. They comprehend a lot. And. Uh, the response I received at one of the kids, and that's what she was saying as far as the kids coming up looking at my scars. And I said, I, yeah, because at the beginning of the week, they'll ask me and they'll look at me, what happened to you? I'll tell you on Friday night. Uh, and, and the altar, I mean, it was just, it's cool to see the response of that. But um, it's, it's allowed me to go into areas that I never thought I could obtain. And, you know, I'm speaking, I've spoken to correctional facilities, I'm now going to colleges corporate events. I'm speaking to other young adults in the burn survivor world, the doors that have opened up, the divine favor that has, that has I mean, te- I mean, television uh, stories and uh, with universities, the hospital um, where I was life flighted to, surgeons, just uncommon favor. God is, is just orchestrating this whole thing. And I, and, and in all honesty, it's still being orchestrated. Like I still don't, as much as I've seen in these seven years, I still believe that it's only the beginning. In some way, I still like, I feel like it's still being formed. Like there's still stuff happening behind the scenes. I got to keep trusting God because as much as I see happening, I still have that sense that 
there's something there's something still yet that needs to be done. They're like the, the doors I've, I've spoken, I've done a lot, but I still believe that it's nowhere near what's about to come. And I think about even in this year with, with COVID and the pandemic and all these things that are happening in our world. And yeah, the world chaos is breaking out, but I also believe it's a perfect opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ to take a rise, to take a stand and people's hearts are receptive. God can speak to people in the midst of their pain. When they're painful, when they're in tears, when they're hurting, that's when God tends to transform us the most. And so I think the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be told more so now than ever. And so I'm anticipating a great uh, revival, if if you will, to take place in the uh, coming years. Amen. I love that. Amen. I don't I don't remember. I know it wasn't in the book where I read it because I'd watched several of your interviews. But one of them you were saying... Before this, you know, I felt like God has called me to speak to thousands. But now I see millions. I see yeah. millions that I am able to touch with this story and, and share the story. And so it's like sometimes God is saying you're thinking too small about how I want you to touch people and how I want you to tell people about my, my, my son. And when you say, God, I can trust me with your scars, I can trust you to take this message to millions. I could trust you to take take this message and not get prideful, not make it about you, not make it self-serving, but but really make it about me, really teach sound doctrine. I can trust you with that message. And it's kind of like what you're saying, like God is orchestrating something behind the scenes and it's bigger than even where I've been able to come through in the last seven years. There's bigger things that God wants me to do and he knew that he could trust me with this story. So yes, with the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. You thought you were trying to take him out? He's not going to be taken out. Okay, this is going to make his vision and the purpose I have for him so much bigger there's so much more that i have for him so thank you thank you this is gonna i'm just gonna use this to open up some more doors so it's okay because i'm uh, pu- I'm putting him on this journey for a reason because he's called he's chosen and he's graced for this journey he's graced for the platforms that i'm carrying him to and i i honestly believe like when you were saying that like i feel like god is orchestrating something behind the scenes and there's more that god as for me, I was like, I feel that for you. Like, I, I believe that. I believe that he is doing amazing things and that God knew that I'm going to take him through this experience and it's going to expand what he thought he could do. When before this journey, it was like, yeah, I'm going to reach thousands of kids. And it's like, you think kids? Oh, no, wait. Oh, bet. Oh, bet. It's bigger. Bet. It's bigger. It's bigger. You thought that that's what I was going to do? You thought that's all I was going to do? I was about to launch so much more in your life. Just wait on it. And he knew that, you know, you're going to go through some hard times. You're going to feel like you're doubting, but that's just going to pull you closer to me. And I just, I just feel that. So this is the last question for the interview. I've, I've enjoyed this conversation, but as you know, as we've been talking, we can talk all day. <laughs> Oh, I love you so much. It's such a blessing. Thank you. We could talk all day. So the last one is, what would you tell someone who's currently going through a fire, literally or figuratively? Because, you know, you went through it emotionally, but you literally were tried by fire, like literally. What would you tell someone who's like, whoa, he... He was, he was, they thought he was dead. He moved his hand and they realized that no, it's a, you know, it's, it's not going to be, you know, he's not, he hasn't died. It's recovery. And then in the book, and that's why I say get the book because he goes into so much more detail of the experience and the recovery process. It wasn't just like, oh, he came out and they realized he was alive. It was like this process of 
walking again, of being able to go to the bathroom on his own again, and just being able to do things on his own again. So that was a whole journey. So someone, they're still there. They're in that that spot where you were like, okay, I'm not on the other side where I'm telling people about the story. I'm in it. And that could be emotional. You could be in a broken marriage. You could be in something where I was trying to go to school and it doesn't look like it's working out, or I'm in a job and I'm losing all kind of money or whatever it is that you're your particular fire or struggle is that God is taking you through and holding you through, what would be, as we close, your your message of encouragement to someone like that? Yeah. Um, mm. Cling to him and allow him to bring the healing and the restoration that needs to take place. And I think, I'm trying to think how I want to phrase this. And I always tell, tell people, you know, I always have this, the, I always say epic, these little epic steps. And, you know, I'll, I'll speak sometimes to corporate groups and I'll tell them this, even in colleges. And, and it's the E stands for embrace challenges. The P is provide perspective. The I is implement the change. And the C is celebrate and serve. You better write that down and send that to me. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> you better send that. So, so, okay. But yeah, it's so. But it's it, so. It's embracing the challenges. Challenges will always present themselves. They're always going to come about at one level or another. Recognize too that you're not alone. Provide perspective. Shift your perspective, so to speak, and think about okay, what can I learn through this experience? Um, how can this make me a better person? What do I need to change? Um, and then the I implement the changes. Apply those lessons to your life. And the C is celebrate your story, celebrate what God has done, your testimony, and out of that, serve others. And just know that even though it's hard and frustrating as it may be, um, if you have those moments late at night and you're crying tears, you know, know that God sees your tears. He knows your hurts. He knows your pain. And, and mm-hmm. he hears your prayers. I think so often we feel like our words are, you know, going nowhere. He does hear your prayers. And just, just trust him. He's got you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Know that he is near, and uh, my prayer for all of anyone that is listening to this, that you feel the warmth of God's embrace, and that um, you understand his love for you, and how great his love is, and how great his understanding is of this world, and and just keep in mind that eternity mindset. Know that God's got it. In the long run of things, his will is going to be done. It'll serve. It'll all work out for your good and ultimately for the good of him. And so uh, just surrender to him. Allow him to transform you. And through it all, he's going to see you through. Amen. I love that. I love eternity mindset. Live with that eternity mindset and how you said to rest in the warmth of his embrace. You may be going through a fire right now, but rest in the warmth of God's embrace. Cody, we enjoyed talking to you. I enjoyed learning more about your story and just learning more about how God has been working in your life and all of the amazing things that God is going to do. This is the last episode of our series, Gold, and we can't wait to come to you next week with a new series. But just remember, as you go through the fire of life, and we all have different struggles and different fires of life, as you go through those struggles, just remember to cling to God's unchanging hand. Our access into the purpose that God has for us, the life that God has up for us is just trusting God and that is not gonna be a bed of roses every day you know it from my stories I keep it real and you know it from Cody's story that you heard today of him literally being tried by fire we're gonna be tried by fire 
but the refiner is going to purify us like gold and it's going to be a beautiful journey when we trust God. So thank you guys for tuning into this episode. I would love for you to continue to connect with me. We have the Royal Access group on Facebook. Please join the Royal Access. That's where we continue the conversation and it will just be so amazing to continue the conversation with you there. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to let us know on Instagram or Facebook. You could tag me, Corel Pinder 1908. You could tag Cody. Give them their, your Instagram handle. Which is yeah, the, the, the Cody Burns. The Cody Burns. B-Y-R-N-S. Yeah. <laughs> the Cody Burns. B-Y-R-N-S. So you can check him out. Tag us. Let us know something that you really um, felt during this episode. Or you can send me an email, corelpinder at gmail.com. It's been amazing hanging with you guys today. Can't wait to tune in with you guys next week, Saturday. Thank you for listening to the Royal Access Podcast. Be sure to learn more about how to connect with us in the show notes below. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. We would also love for you to consider leaving a rating or a review. Until next time, I'm Corel Pinder, your truth-telling accountability partner.